How's everybody doing this morning? Well, if you got your Bibles with you, let's look at 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Well, happy Valentine's Day, right? If nobody said it to you, happy Valentine's Day. So we're going to look at 1 John 4. Let me also say this. God loves you and I love you. So there you go. Somebody told you today that they love you. And more importantly than that, God loves you. And that's who matters more than anybody else. So today we're going to be talking about love, actually. And we're going to be doing a series on love. And Pastor Dennis had no idea that I was going to start talking about love this week. Uh, But we're going to be talking about love the rest of the month of February in honor of Valentine's Day and the love month. Look at your neighbor and say the love month. Okay. So let's turn to 1 John 4. 1 John 4 in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for notice, God is love. God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God sent his Son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us. And he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now let's turn to the most unfamiliar verse in all the Bible, John 3.16. You guys ready for that? Some of you have never heard that verse ever. John 3.16. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But notice the first part of this verse, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. Now today we're going to start a new series called Love Like Jesus. Love like Jesus. And more specifically today, we want to title this message, God Loves Me. Can we say that together? God loves me. One more time. God loves me. Now, I know some of you, when we just did that, that was awkward for you. But hopefully by the end of this message, it's not going to be as awkward because a lot of us don't realize how much God loves us. So we're going to be talking about love the next several weeks. And we want to talk today about God loves me because if we don't handle this subject and this topic first, whatever else I say about love is not going to really matter because the fact that God loves you is the foundation of any other love in your life. Because if you don't know that God loves you, You won't love your family right. I'm preaching. You're not saying anything. You won't love your husband or wife right. You won't love your friends right. You won't love even God right if you don't realize how much God loves you. And so we're going to talk today about God loves me. Now, speaking of Valentine's Day, because it is today, and there's a lot of talk about love in the month of February, We want to talk about love and realize in our culture today, uh, the word love means nothing pretty much because it's been so watered down through the years, uh, love really doesn't have a, a solid foundation or a solid definition even anymore because we say flippantly, and I've said this, you say this, I love pizza, and we could all say amen, we love pizza, you love pizza, you love donuts. You love Netflix, you love shopping, you love your car, you love your guns, you love your husband or wife, you love video games, you love shoes, you love purses. (laughs) It's Valentine's Day, ladies, say something. Give a hint to somebody in here. Yes, I do love that, and I'd like that today. You love diamonds, you love cards, you love flowers. And so we use the word love so flippantly. We love 
pizza, we love donuts, we love TV, we love video games, we love our phone. We love all these things, and we really don't mean it the way that God means love. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean that God loves us, and what is the God kind of love. And so we've got to realize we live in a culture that flo- uh, flippantly throws out the word love. Now, no offense, now, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. Um, middle school and high school people throw out the word love a lot. Where you at? Come on, parents, say something. You're too quiet already today. And I'm 28 years old, but I, I know in middle school and high school, I threw out the word love also. Now, you have some feelings, and you have some hormones. Hello, somebody. <laughs> and maybe you slept funny last night. And maybe you stayed up too late and ate some wrong pizza. But the word love means nothing in the context of God. Hello, somebody. <laughs> and a lot of couples throw out the word love, and it means nothing. It actually means lust. It doesn't mean love. Because the definition that God gives of love is completely different than the world's definition of love. Because the God kind of love gives, but the world's love takes. That's one of the biggest differences. God's love gives, but the world's love takes. So when you say, if you love me, you let me do this and fill in the blank. That's not love, that's lust. Because lust takes, but love gives. It's okay if I got off my notes a little bit right there, isn't it? You needed that. And so God's love gives, but the world's love takes. Now, we need to understand this because when Jesus came on the scene, he brought a completely new word for the word love. A completely different term that had never been used before. Now... The Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic languages are really advanced languages. Now, we look today as people who live in 2016 in the United States of America, and we think just because we have so much technology and we're so advanced and so educated that we're smarter than people who lived thousands of years ago. But realize the languages that the Bible was written in are far advanced than the English language. Okay, English sounds dumb to people who wrote the Bible because Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic are far more advanced than the English language. Just so we all know that here. And we only have one word for love. But in the Greek language, there's actually four separate words for the word love because the Greek language is far more advanced than English. And so when... Jesus came on the scene, he brought a completely different word for the word love than the word they had been using. Now today we're not going to talk about all four of those types of love. We're going to talk about the one that he brought, which is God's love. And it's the word in the Greek language, it means agape. Agape. Now some of you have heard that word before, but until Jesus came, nobody was using that word. Jesus came on the scene and brought a... Brand new love, but he made a new word for it. And in the Greek language, they call it agape. It's the God kind of love. Now, up to that point, they had used different words for love, but never the word agape, because agape is the God kind of love. So he brought a new love, and he even invented a new word. Now, that's awesome, because he's God. He can invent new words just like that. And he came on the scene and he brought a new love and a new word for it. And agape, here's some definitions I wrote down. These are different ways to look at it. Agape is an unconditional love. Agape is an unearned love. Now this is the God kind of love. Agape means it's a love that expects nothing in return. Agape is a love that gives and it doesn't take. Agape is a love that you will lay down your life for somebody else. Jesus even said it in the Gospels. He said there's no greater love than this that somebody would lay down their life for a friend. That's the kind of love he's talking about. When he talks about the God kind of love, he's talking about a love that is sacrificial. A love that would rather give up their own life 
for the sake of somebody else because they love them that much. That is the God kind of love. And that is the love that God has demonstrated for us and towards us as his children. And so God brought this new kind of love called agape. It's an unconditional love. It's an unearned love. It's a love that expects nothing in return. A love that gives and doesn't take. It's a love that lays its life down for somebody else. It's a love that sacrifices for somebody else. Which is the complete opposite of the world's love. The complete opposite of even a husband and wife love. The opposite of just a friendship love. It's the God kind of love. Now, we know that God not only loves us with this love, but when we get saved, he puts that love in our heart. That we can love people with that same love. The God kind of love. But we want to talk about today how much God loves us first. Now, let's look at John 3.16. You still here this morning? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Notice He didn't just say God loves people. God so loved the world. There's some emphasis right there. God so loved the world, not, not just like a take it or leave it kind of love, not like I'll put up with you kind of love. God said, I so love you, I'm going to give the best thing I have, which is my son, because God kind of love, notice it gives, it doesn't take. It sacrifices for the sake of somebody else. And God realized to get all of us back and to get mankind back, he would have to give his son for us. We need to think of this. How much does God love us? Because all of us in here would say, the Father loves His Son. The Father loves Jesus. But He gave up Jesus for us. So how much does He love us then? And a a lot of us would have no problem saying, God the Father loves God the Son. But He gave up His Son for us. So He could have us. So He could be with us. So he could live in us. So he wouldn't be separated from us the rest of our lives and all of eternity. God loves us. And it says he so loved us that he gave his only son. That's the God kind of love. Let's look at Romans 5 and 5. It's okay if we read some verses about God's love towards us. Romans 5 and 5. And I really believe this with all my heart, that a lot of people, when they first get saved, they have such a revelation of the love of God. But after they've been in church a while, they forget about it. Are you listening this morning? They get in the routine of coming to church, reading their Bible, doing their thing. Now, when they got saved, they knew God loved them with everything. But after a while, you feel like, well, yeah, God loves me, but no. God loves you the same way he loved you when you got saved. (laughs) And his love is unearned and unconditional. Whether you're in the penthouse or the strip club, God loves you equally. Do you guys know that? That would change the way you live. Whether you're shooting drugs into your vein this morning or you're reading your Bible this morning, God loves the person the same. He does. Because his love for you is not based on you, it's based on him. Because love is who he is. And God's nature is love. It says God is love. It's unconditional. Now we say those definitions, but then when you mess up, you don't really believe those definitions. Are we here? We don't. We realize when we're at church and somebody says God's love is unconditional, unearned, we're saying amen, but then when you mess up next week, you run from God because you feel like he doesn't love you as much. Or he's mad at you or he's out to get you. No, God loves you whether you're doing everything right or you're doing everything wrong. God's love is the same. 
and it's perfect, and it's unconditional, and it's unearned, and it's going to give and not take, and it's going to lay down his life for you because that's who God is. And that's how much he loves us. And God loves us. Now Romans 5 and 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God, that's agape, has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now listen to this, verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you hearing what this says? It says, but God demonstrates his love. He's saying, I'm not going to just say it with words. I'm going to prove it with actions. And that's what God has done for us. It says, but God demonstrates with his actions how much he loves us. When we were still sinners, he died for us. Now, human nature, human love would say, I want to make sure those people get right first, then I'll do something for them. But God's love is different. He said that he demonstrated his own love towards us, the God kind of love, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So let's think about this. If Christ died for you when you were still sinners, why would his love for you change now that you're saved and you mess up? It doesn't. Now you feel bad. You feel condemned. And the enemy likes to bring those feelings. Make you feel like God does not like you now. God is mad at you now. He doesn't love you as much as he used to now. And he'll bring on condemnation. But that is not from God. That is from the enemy. Because God's love for you is the same. And if he died for us when we were still sinners who didn't like him, didn't love him back, didn't care about him, was ignoring him, was going the complete opposite way. God loved us so much he died for us right then. How much more now? God's love is perfect. God's love is unearned. It's unconditional. So that's the God kind of love. God's love demonstrates his love towards us while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. Before we did anything different. Now human love says, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch you back. (laughs) If you straighten up and change, then I'll love you back. If you fix this area of your life, then I'll do something for you in return. But God's love is different. God is the initiator. He starts this thing. And he says, I'm going to die for you before you even love me back. I'm going to do something for you because I love you unconditionally before you were saved. When you were still a sinner, Christ died for us. Now let's look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 4. Still here this morning. Ephesians 2 and verse 4, it says... But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. But notice what it says in verse 4. It says again, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together. But notice it says his great love. Not just his love. His great love towards us, which he has loved. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he's made us alive together. By grace, you have been saved. You know, a lot of times people have the wrong idea of God. Now, people in religion, 
have helped that? People on the planet don't know who's good and who's bad. They don't know who's love and who's hate. And they think that God is both of those things, which he's not. God is love. Even reading your Bible, you need to realize, even in the Old Testament, they didn't know the things we know in the New Testament. They didn't have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. They didn't know who was doing those things to certain people. And so a lot of times people will even read the Old Testament and like, well, yeah, well, God just had a bad day in the Old Testament. More like a bad hundred and a couple thousand years in the Old Testament. But then he got nice in the New Testament. No, it's not like that. You've got to rightly divide the word. No, God is love in the beginning, in the middle, and the end. God is love. So when you read your Bible, you need to understand, would love do this? And if love wouldn't do it, then God didn't do it. The enemy did it. In your personal life, if you have something coming against you, if you're dealing with depression, God is not trying to teach you something through depression. He's not trying to teach you something through panic attacks. He's not trying to do that. He's not trying to teach you something through cancer. Because love does not do that. That's from the enemy. God is not trying to give you extra bills and and make you in poverty so you won't be able to pay your bills and you won't be able to have a car and you won't be able to have a house. No, that's the enemy. That's not God. Now, you can learn something from it, but God's not trying to teach you something through it. Because love doesn't do things like that. And so we need to realize, even when we read our Bible, God is love. And we need to read our Bible through the filter of love. If God is love, would he do this? And so we see here that it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he's loved us. Notice he's, he's rich in mercy and he has great love. God is rich in mercy and he has great love. If you realize that on Monday morning, it would change the rest of your day. The God that you serve that loves you with all of his heart is rich in mercy, not judgment. And he has great love towards you, not just love, but great love. The God kind of love is towards you and for you every day of your life. Now, religion would say this, and, and some of you have maybe even said that, well, you know what, people, they, they need to be punished for their crimes. Funny, we want that when it pertains to somebody else, not ourselves. All right, I'll see you guys. Isn't that the truth? God punished them. Judge them. But you wouldn't want it if you were in that situation. But we want it for other people. That's not the God kind of love. And we all understand in here because God is righteous and he is holy. He has to judge some people. But listen, he doesn't do it because he hates them. He does it because he has to and he doesn't want to. Because his love is towards us. He's rich in, notice, mercy, not judgment. He's rich in love, not punishment. And the only time he has to judge people is because he has no other option. Because he's righteous and he's holy and he has to be true to who he is. And so some people, not because of his choice, because of their choice, he has to give them what they deserve. Not because he wants to. Because he has to. Because of their own choice. He has no other option. When people choose judgment, he has to give them their free will. And let them receive judgment. But realize, even when we receive judgment from God, it's not because he hates us. He doesn't do it because he's happy about it. In the same way, you don't punish your kid because you hate him. You don't correct your kid because you hate him. Come on, parents, where you at? You don't bring judgment on your kids because you hate them. You do it because you love them. And it's their own choices that have caused that judgment in their life. Same thing with God. God gets no pleasure with bringing judgment on anybody. God is not happy when people go to hell. God is not sending people to hell. That's their own choice. And you need to know that. I'm preaching tonight, uh, this morning, and you need to hear what I'm saying because I'm rightly dividing the Word of God. 
because religion and people out in the world that know jack squat about the Bible will try to tell you who God is and what he does, and then will get on the 6 o'clock news and say, well, you know what? God sent this hurricane to teach us something. Love doesn't do that. Oh, oh God, God bombed the World Trade Centers to teach us something. No, love doesn't do that. God, God gave these kids cancer at Cosairs to teach them something. Love does not do that. And you need to know that. Because God is love. And God's love is perfect. So even the times in our life that judgment has to come, or correction has to come from God, it's not because He hates us, it's not because He's against us, it's He loves us and He has no other choice because we have chosen those things. But notice it says, God is rich in mercy. When you hear some people talk, you hear he's rich in judgment. He's rich in America's going to hell in a handbasket. That's not God. <laughs> and a little side note here. I wouldn't vote for a politician who's talking like that about my country. I would be talking about the love of God towards this country. I'd be talking about the future is bright for this country. I'd be talking some faith and some hope and some peace. Not this world is ending and America's going with it. We need somebody who believes God. All right, that was my two cents for politics. You probably never hear me mention it again the rest of my life. But you know what I'm saying? You don't need somebody who's going to agree with the enemy. You need somebody who's going to agree with God. That God loves us and God's for us, not God's against us. Because he's rich in mercy and he has great love towards us. God has great love towards us. God is for us. Let's look at John 19 and verse 26. You're getting something this morning. John 19, in verse 26, now talking about the love of God, you need to realize there is nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Right now. As we sit here, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. Nothing. And also, there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Why? Because God already loves us perfectly. You can't get any better than the love of God. It's already perfect. Now, human love isn't perfect. You hear couples, it's Valentine's Day, say, our love is so perfect. No, it's not. Compared to God's love, it is jacked up. Not anywhere close to perfect. But realize, the love of God is absolutely perfect. You can't improve on it. God's love towards you, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. So my thinking would be, then let's stop trying to earn God's love when we already have it. Let's stop trying to work for God's love or pay Him back for something. When God says, I already love you perfectly, you can't do anything to make me love you more and nothing to make you love, love you less. Now realize if today you were in church the rest of your life, reading your Bible every day, praying, uh, seeking God, fulfilling the plan of God for your life, God's love for you wouldn't change because he already loves you perfectly. But in the same reasoning, if you walked out of church today, you never came back to church, you never read your Bible again, you never prayed another prayer to God, God's love would not change for you. He would love you perfectly and the same as if you were in the perfect will of God because that's God's love for you. Doesn't matter how far you run, how, how far you fall, where you go, what you do, God's love is the same. So we don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. You realize the number one reason why people don't come back to church is they feel like they have to make up with God before they can come back. 
They feel like, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta work on something here before I get back in church. No, that's the enemy. I've heard this so many times. I gotta clean up my life so I can get back in church. Hold, hold on, you got that backwards. The point of that is, apart from God, you can never clean up your life. So you'll never come back. And the enemy wants you to do that. You know, when I get right with God and I start living right and I quit this and this and, you know, I'm stop, stop being addicted to this, then I'll come back to church. Then I'll get right with God because God doesn't love me until then. You'll never come back. You'll never be restored. You'll never receive the fullness of God's love because you're waiting when God already loves you perfectly right now. And notice it's the love of God that changes us. We don't change so God will love us. It's the love of God that changes us. Come on, I'm preaching this morning. I don't know if you're hearing me. We don't change so God will love us. He loves us and that's why we change. That's the only power you have to change is the love of God. You don't have to change your life, clean up your life, fix your life to be loved by God. No, the love of God will change you. The God kind of love will do something in your heart when you couldn't break addictions by yourself, when you couldn't get delivered by yourself. The love of God will come in and He will change you. And you won't have to change yourself because the love of God has that much power. He can change addictions. He can change bondage. He can change physical symptoms in your body. He can change your mind. He can change depression. He can change anxiety. He can change those things that you can't beat in your own strength. The love of God will change that. But notice, we can't change so God will love us. We can't. And I think some of you need to hear me this morning because next time you mess up, and I'm not prophesying that over you, your feeling is, I don't want to go back to church. I don't want to read my Bible. I feel bad. I don't want to pray to God because He doesn't love me like He used to. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. That's how the enemy gets people separated from the love of God. That's how he gets people pushed away from a good church family. He gets them pushed away from a good relationship with God because that condemnation comes in, and it's not from God. It's from the enemy. Are you hearing me this morning? Because God loves you, and it's perfect, and it's complete. And so we don't have to change so God will love us. The love of God is what changes us. He loves us perfectly. Now, I want to close with this. We're going to talk for a moment about the Apostle John. Now, the Apostle John was the BFF of Jesus. Did you guys know that? He was Jesus' number one guy, his best friend. He was with him his whole life, all the way to the end, was John. Now, there was the other disciples that were with him. You know, Peter, James, and John were close to him. But John was the closest John was the BFF of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? You could say that for all of eternity. He's the only body person who could say that in physical form. He was the BFF of Jesus on the earth, the Apostle John. But the Apostle John was also known as the Apostle of Love. Because really more than anybody else in the Bible, the Apostle John had a revelation of the love of God. And so we're going to talk about him for a moment as we close John, who was the closest to Jesus, who was the apostle of love, he wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote the book of Revelation. In his writings, he mentions that word love 80 times. That is way more than any other writer in the Bible. The apostle John mentions the word love 80 times in his writings. In John The Gospel of John in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and in Revelation. Eighty times he mentions that word because he had revelation of the love of God. Now, before we read this verse about the Apostle John, I want to say this. There's a reason I titled this God Loves Me. Because we live in the United States of America. We live in the Midwest. We live in the Bible Belt. So, most people that grow up 
in this area or this region, in the Bible Belt, they hear from the time they're born, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Even if they weren't raised in church, they hear it because we live in a Bible Belt. We live in a culture of people having awareness of church and God and religion. It's not like we live in Seattle or New York or other places like that. We live in the Bible Belt. Let's just be honest about it. So you grow up, whether you know it or not, with a somewhat knowledge of the Bible and of God because you've just grown up in a certain area. You get these things. So we hear this, God loves me, God loves you, Jesus loves you. We sing songs about it. Jesus loves you, this you know, where the Bible tells you so. Which is probably the most uh, solid, foundational song we could ever sing in church. Sound doctrine, all over that. Good song. But we hear this growing up, and this is what happens, is we hear it so much, by the time we get to be adults, it doesn't have that same impact as it should. Now, when, a, when an unbeliever hears that, it hits them differently than some of us who have had knowledge of the love of God. They're just like, are you serious? But if we hear God loves you in here, it's just like, okay. And that's the problem. Yeah, I know God loves me. I've heard it since I was a kid. Not a big deal. That's the problem. Now, we wouldn't say not a big deal, but your actions and what you're thinking in your head is, okay, come on, tell me something I don't know. I know God loves me. I know Jesus loves me. I've heard the song. But it has to get deeper than that if God's love is going to change you. It has to go beyond that if God's love is going to do something in your life. And that's why I wanted to title this God Loves Me because when I say that, it's easier for us to say God loves the world. It's easy to say, well, God loves pastor. God loves Billy Graham. God loves Mother Teresa. God loves these children in Africa who are suffering. God loves this person over here in a country who's being tortured. God loves this person. But when you say God loves me, it's different. And I'm pleading with you today, it has to become personal. We can't just keep saying, yeah, I know, yeah, God loves the world. Yes, he does. But notice, God loves you specifically and personally. Instead of, you know, yeah, God loves Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and Pastor and all these people. No, God loves you. And we need to get personal in our lives for it to change us. I wrote down this quote, and this is, actually came from the quarry, did a love series and, and has been doing a love series. It's from St. Augustine, which was an early church father. He said, God loves each of us as if there were just one of us. God loves each of us as if there were just one of us. A lot of us don't really believe that. We want to be in the group. God loves the world. God loves Church on the Rock. God loves this group and that group. No, God loves you personally. And you need to go home today and realize in your prayer time, you need to say, God loves me. God, yeah, he does love the world. And he loves all these spiritual leaders. And he loves pastor. And he loves all these people. But notice, God loves me. And if there was one person on this planet, God loves me. And if I was the only person here, God would have still sent his son to die for you because he loves you personally and perfectly. But we want to see this about the Apostle John because John had revelation. Yeah, God loves the disciples, but notice God loves me, John. And this is what it says in John 19, 26. John 19, 26, it says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother... 
and the disciple whom he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to this disciple, Behold your mother. And that from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now, there's revelation in the book of John. Because the apostle John wrote the gospel of John, but you never see his name in there. Because all through the entire book, he refers to himself as a disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, if you're John, you can do that, but don't talk about yourself like in third person like that. (laughs) You might get hit by somebody. But the Apostle John, all throughout the book, he doesn't talk about himself as John. He refers to himself, and Jesus did this with the disciple whom Jesus loved. And Jesus told him to go help his mother right here in this passage to the disciple whom Jesus loved. And Peter, no competition there, right? Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved went and did something. You know there had to be a little competition between Peter and him. Because Peter had a big mouth. You know he did. He was like, why are you keep referring to yourself as the disciple whom Jesus loved? He loves me too. John said, you didn't get a gospel, so. If you got your own book, you can write what you want in it. But it's my book. So, sit on it, Peter. So. Peter and John probably had some issues with each other. Because John always said he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm going somewhere with this. You're not, you didn't go home, did you? And so the apostle John, who had more revelation on the love of God than any other person in the New Testament, notice he refers to himself constantly as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And what is that? That's personal. And that's where some of you need to get today. No, it's personal. It's not, yeah, Jesus loves church on the rock. Jesus loves his disciples. No, he loves me. Personally. And I'm the person that Jesus loves. Now, understand this. It's not that Jesus loved him more than the rest of the disciples. But it's that John had more revelation on his love than the rest of the disciples. Are you hearing me today? I'm going to say that one more time. It's not that Jesus loved John more than the rest of the disciples. He didn't. But John was the one who had the most revelation of Jesus' love towards him than the rest of the disciples. So John got more things than the rest of the disciples. And John experienced things that the rest of the disciples didn't experience because he had revelation of the love that Jesus had for him that some of the other disciples never experienced. Not because he didn't love them. They just didn't have a revelation that he loved me. And I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. And I'm the person that Jesus is going after. And I'm the person that Jesus wants to heal. You need to think about yourself that way. If anybody's got to get delivered, Jesus wants to deliver me because he loves me. If anybody's got to get healed, it's got to be me because Jesus wants to heal me because he loves me. If anybody's got to come out of this, it's got to be me because I am the disciple who Jesus loves. And he doesn't just love church on the rock. He loves me personally, uniquely. Specifically me. I don't know if you're getting this today or not. It will change your Monday through Saturday when you realize you are the disciple who Jesus loves. And you get revelation of the love of God. Yes, he loves everybody, but he loves me. And really, some days it doesn't help you to know that he loves everybody else. You just need to know that he loves you today. When your life stinks on a Tuesday, who cares about the rest of the world? I need to know God loves me today and cares about me today. Hello, somebody. Don't act like you don't ever think that way. And you need to realize you're the disciple who Jesus loves. If he's got to do it for anybody, he's got to do it for you. Why? Because he loves you. God loves 
me. So we have to have revelation of the love of God. John wasn't more loved than any disciple, but he had more revelation of the love of God than any other disciple. So he experienced things that other disciples didn't experience. He felt things that other disciples didn't feel. God did things in his life that other disciples didn't experience because he knew, yeah, God loves us, but God loves me. And he had revelation of the love of God. And this is why I want to preach this today before we go any further. Because this is the foundation of any other love in your life. That God loves me. Something to think about also. John was the only disciple they couldn't kill. They martyred every other Disciple other than John. They tried to kill John. They tried to hurt John. And it says in history books that they took John and boiled him in hot oil to try to kill him. This is not a made up fairy, st- fairy tale story, this is history. They martyred every other disciple. They tried to kill John. They boiled him in oil and it didn't kill him. So what happened is when he got older, and we all know this, they sent him to an island where he wrote the book of Revelation. Since they physically could not kill the man, they said, we have to get you away from everybody else because you're doing too much damage for the kingdom of God. And as an old, old man, they took the Apostle John to an island by himself and he wrote the book of Revelation. As an old, old man, and he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John as an elderly grandpa. And he wrote these books of the Bible in his elder years. And none of the other disciples experienced a long life like that. They were all martyred. But they couldn't kill John. Why couldn't they kill John? Because he had revelation of the love of God. More than any other disciple, he realized, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. And not taking anything away from the rest of the disciples who got martyred. We know there's a reward for that. And they're honored for that. But John realized, notice, God loves me. And he has revelation of that. So nothing could kill John. Because he realized God loves me. And once he got revelation of that, notice people even tried to kill him. And they couldn't. They couldn't stop him. They couldn't kill him because he had revelation that God loves me. Are you hearing me this morning? And I want to say this as we close. It's the same for you. When you get revelation of the love of God, things that the enemy try to send to you to kill you, to destroy you, to hinder you, will not be able to stop you because you have revelation of the love of God and you realize that God loves me. When you have revelation on that, you end up in different places than people that don't. When you have revelation on that, those things that take out other people won't take you out because you realize God loves me. And so I want to encourage you today that just like the Apostle John, who was the Apostle of love, let's be like him. Let's live the way he lived. He got revelation of the love of God, and he lived his life out full and fulfilled the plan of God because he had revelation that God loves me personally. You need to remember this when things come against your life. It's one thing to say it right now when everything's going good, but when, it, when something goes bad, remember these words. When something comes against your body and it's, it's life-threatening and it's serious, you need to realize right then 
you need to know God loves me. And God wants to help me right now, personally, me. And God wants to heal me. Yes, it's his will to heal everyone, but he wants to heal me right now. He wants to deliver me right now. He wants to do something in my life right now. Why? Because he loves me personally. He loves you. And I know for a fact that there is a greater revelation of the love of God to be experienced for all of us in here. None of us have arrived just because we've heard it so much. None of us have arrived just because we, yeah, we know God loves us. No, God says, I want you to know by revelation, that's not up here. That's in here. He loves me. And just like the Apostle John, that things that come against you won't be able to kill you. Won't be able to stop you because you have revelation that God loves me. Brother Daryl, could you come play for a moment here? You need to realize that the love of God will never change. The love of God will never quit. The love of God will never give up. The love of God will never stop coming after you. So no matter how far you run, where you go, what situation is coming against you, realize that. Even when you want to quit, the love of God will not quit. Even when you want to give up, the love of God will not give up. Even when you want to change some things in your life, the love of God will not change towards you. Because it's perfect and it's absolute. And that's the foundation of the series. We really need to realize, all of us in here, that God loves me. Can we bow our heads for a moment?